and then uh, we'll get into the to the service. Uh, I talked to Jason Cornett this week. He's still sick. Uh, he ended up going back into the hospital or into the ER um, the other day, and he's he's got uh, heart issues that they're still trying to read his. Uh, um, uh, they hooked the harness up to him, the cardiac harness up to him. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with him. And he's still still battling um, the side effects of the flu. His wife's over COVID. But I talked to him. I've got to be with him next Sunday, the 13th. I'm helping him do a, an ordination service. And then the following Sunday, the 20th, y'all might write this down because I just found out. We're baptizing Paisley on November 20th at 6 o'clock. <laughs> we just found out. So November 20th at Willow Valley, we'll be doing the baptism with Paisley, and I've got to help Preacher A with a few others as well. So that one's out. So I talked to Jason. He felt like we probably shouldn't even try to do it in December because of uh, Christmas, just everything going on with the churches and Christmas and Christmas plays and all that stuff. So he's asked if we would consider maybe waiting until about January and do a winter, kind of a, a winter meet. So I think it would be okay. We'll just wait and see how, how, how things play out after December. But continue to pray for him and his health. Um, and we've got a lot of people w- with the flu. I know that it's just it's going around. Up here, it's been rough. I know at home, it's rough. Uh, they said Harden Park School was missing. They've got like 900 some kids and 230 some were out Wednesday with the flu. I mean, it, it's it's pretty rough. So just to stay healthy, stay hydrated, and get your vitamin C, and and try to stay away from that mess. Uh, need to remember uh, Heidi Powell and Bobby. Uh, Heidi's mom passed away this week, so be in prayer for them and uh, that group. I know they're all close to a lot of us here. And then I uh, appreciate y'all reaching out this week over uh, uh, the passing of Jay Curley, one of my, my good friends. Uh, just I can't tell you how tragic it's been this week. Um, it's been rough, rough week, but I know Friday we – was at the viewing and just I told Marie I just got a lot of peace after we left the viewing with some things and I just appreciate y'all reaching out to me and just checking and uh, it's gonna be a tell you what it's been tough having to just thinking about Jace his little boy I mean he's eight now and uh, just got married two weeks ago and it's just it's just a lot to take in losing somebody 43 years old and so just uh, be continue to pray for that family too. Uh, and then today starts uh, the week of prayer. I, I mentioned it a little bit last week, and I'm going to talk about it. We're actually going to preach on this a little bit today as well. But the week of prayer starts today for the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home. Tonight, uh, you'll probably get a call from Call Tree, and tomorrow night, and the night after, I'm going to call y'all every single night this week and remind you to pray specifically for a certain thing. Uh, unfortunately, I left those certain things at my office. I forgot to bring them up here. I printed them off and left them there. So um, I'm going to remind you uh, through Facebook, and I'll remind you with phone call of what to pray for this week. And it's very specific. I mean, it's very specific what they have asked us to pray for. And then uh, I've, I've given you all the information, the stuff on the cook, the answering the call, all this stuff. If you need, need it, it's out here in four year. Grab it on the way out. But uh, if nothing else this week, pray just pray if you got your bible turned open uh or with you turn over to psalm chapter 139 psalm 139 something that i think should be pretty near and dear to the heart of the church and the heart of 
parents, grandparents, Christians, it doesn't matter, is prayer, but prayer for the next generation. Stand up here, and a lot of y'all can't see what I can see from up here, but we've got four over here, five over here in the corner. We've got three, four, five over here in this corner. We've got children and young adults in this church. And if you think about it, that is the next generation. We can look at it different ways. That's the next generation of the church, which it is. I mean, think about these young adults, these children. We're, we're trying to prepare them for what is to come inside the church. We're preparing them. And, and Keith was on it this morning, and I, I just... I was quiet this morning, but I was soaking in a lot of what he had to say about memorizing the Bible. I was reading some of the Sunday school lesson, and, and the, one of the, the writer of the lesson said that someone he met in college memorized 17 books of the Bible. Not 17 verses, not 17 chapters, 17 books of the Bible, because you don't know. There's a day coming when our Bibles may be taken away from us, and we're going to have to recall from memory and from heart, the Word of God, because we're not going to have it. So we're trying to train up a generation to come behind us, to lead the church, lead our country, be the leaders that we need them to be. But the one thing that we don't think about and we don't do enough as a church, as, as a whole church, is we don't pray for the next generation. We're training them. That's great. But what about praying for them? What about lifting them up daily that God would prepare them, that God would, would use them in a way that would build up the kingdom? What about praying for that generation? So today as we start out our week of prayer for the Baptist Children's Home, as I said, they have seven specific things that they want us to pray for. Well, I'm going to take it a step further and give you five more today that we're going to pray for. It's an honor to join so many churches. I was sitting there last night, and I struggled yesterday trying to put the finishing touches on this. I bat, went back and forth with Scripture and, and thoughts, and I've been studying on some other things, and I've just I flip-flopped on so much stuff yesterday. But I, one thing that I have I held on to was the fact that it is an honor to receive something in the mail saying, please join us in praying. It's an honor to, to be able to sit down or stand here, whatever, last week, and to show y'all a video. It's an honor to be a, have been called a foster parent for a while. It is an honor to be asked to pray. And I want y'all to remember that as we go through this message today, that it is an honor, it is a privilege, and it is a command that we pray for what we've been asked to pray for. And we've been asked to pray specifically for the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home and some other things, but again, I won't take it a step further, but if nothing else, pray for those children. Pray for that next generation that's going to come up behind us. One of the things I read this week, somebody had compared uh, praying to breathing. I've never heard it put this way, but this is what they said. Breathing is the response to physical life to the presence of air. Prayer is the response of spiritual life to the presence of God. Oh, man, that hit hard when I read that. Breathing is the response to physical life to the presence of air. Prayer is the response of spiritual life to the presence of God. We have a responsibility. We have a great responsibility to pray for one another. As, as Paul has told us to pray for those in authority, 
We are to pray for the widows. We are to pray for the orphaned. We have a long list in the Bible of things, of individuals to, to pray for, which we ought to be doing. There was something I read, and I wish I'd have wrote it down, but it's called the five-finger prayer. And they're supposed to be teaching our kids how to do a five-finger prayer. That when we, we close our hands like this right here, you pray specifically across your fingers for certain things. I can't remember any of it right now. Well, I won't get into that. But we're to pray. And I'm going to read this, and we're going to get into the Scripture, because I thought this is pretty good when it comes to prayer life. There were some deacons of a church that came to the young, a young preacher to criticize some of his theology and the wording he used in his prayers. <laughs> After they unloaded on him, he turned to them, and he said, Are you gentlemen finished? I have just one thing to say. I wasn't speaking to you in those prayers. I wasn't talking to you in those prayers. I was talking to God. That's what he's saying. It doesn't matter how we pray as long as we're praying. Our prayer life is an important part of our life. We get up in the mornings, we pray. Throughout the day, we're praying. We have prayer in our heart. We're, we're meditating. Throughout the day, at night, when we come in, we're still praying. When we go to bed, we should be praying. We've got to be in constant prayer. When we're not in constant prayer, the devil is going to find a way in, and he's going to make it hard on us. He's really good at that. But we need to be specific in our prayers. If we know what it is, call it out. So as we go through this today and as you get your messages throughout the week about what to pray for, be that specific in your prayers. Don't just pray for that one specific thing. Pray for many things, but be sure that you are specific in your prayers. If you got your Bibles open, stand with me just a moment. We're going to be in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I know now why I never wear black suits. I have lint all over me. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I love this. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for making us. Lord, for being wonderfully made fearfully made but god what amazes me the most is that we have been made in your image god you have thought about us you had had us planned out from the very beginning of time you knew exactly who and where and when each one of us would exist and god i thank you for that you've placed each one of us inside this church at the perfect time you put us in each other's lives at the perfect time it was your time it was your will and God, we thank you for that. And as we continue to look at the Baptist children's home this week, as we pray for them, Lord, I thank you for the individuals that are overseeing that. God, we thank you for the men and women that lead that organization. We thank you for the men and women, the husbands and the wives, and the families that have stepped up to the plate to take on these foster children and to adopt as well. And God, as we pray today for those children, God, I ask that you would see fit to place them in the right place with the right people. God, they were just like us. They were made in your image. Lord, the only difference between them and us is the fact right now they don't have anyone to turn to here on earth. They don't have a mama or a daddy. But God, they still got you, just as we do. And I pray, God, as we lift up this next generation, that you'd place them in a home that's loving, a home that stands firm on the Word of God, 
put them in a home, God, that would shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ on those children every single day. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing inside this church and for what you're doing again inside the children's home. Bless those that are involved. Bless this church as we lift up those prayer requests this week. We love you, and we thank you today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. You know, one thing, talking about prayer life, one thing that I take for granted, and I never think about this because I'm from Watauga County, and we deal more with cows than we do Christmas trees, but one thing that I think uh, that I don't think of enough when we pray, especially this time of year, is all those that are in the Christmas tree in the fields right now. And um, I think Carolyn was telling me the other day that uh, VJ and Judy is going to be out for about the whole month just because of the, the Christmas trees. And, and I understand that. I understand that greatly. But I think that as we pray, we need to remember all those involved in their safety as well. That's a dangerous, it can be a dangerous job. So remember those in prayer this week and uh, this month as well. First thing that I want you guys to remember as you pray this week. Now, again, you've already got seven specific prayers that have been given to us by the Baptist Children's Home. I'm going to give you five more, and the first one this morning is this. Pray for the children to know that they are God's creation. That they are God's creation. You want something that hurts your heart? You want something that breaks your heart? You listen to a young and come up and say that nobody wants me. I don't know why I'm here, and better yet, I'm a mistake. God has never made a mistake. That child is here for a reason and for a purpose. And I want you to pray, and you pray hard, that that, God, that, that child knows that God created that child. That they do not forget that they are God's creation, just as we are. In Psalm 139, what we just read, David was praising the Lord. David knew that we were a physical miracle created by the power of God. There was no big bang. We are not just a clump of cells. We are created in the image of God. We were created by the Almighty, the, the, the all-powerful God Himself. We were created. I don't care what your science books tell you. I don't care what they tell you uh, in the media. I don't care what anybody says. I know what the Bible says. And we were fearfully and wonderfully created, and we were also created in the image of God. And we got to remind sometimes of each other, and we have to remind children every single day, you were created by God, and you were not a mistake, because God don't make a mistake. David right here is telling us, He's saying, I'm, I'm not here because of Mother Nature. He's telling us, I'm not here by chance. I'm here because of God, because I was created. David knew that life is not an accident. And I hope and I pray that as you pray for these children, that you, you can help encourage them by letting them know that they are a gift from God. Each child is a gift from God. You look around, we was all a child at one time. We're a, we were a gift, and we're all still a gift. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you thought you was exempt today. Ain't happening. We're a gift from God. Now, he tells us right here, we are fearfully made. That means that we should stand in awe at the complexity of our creation. That, that's the definition I found for, for being uh, fearfully fearfully made. We should stand in awe at the complexity of our creation. 
And then it says we're wonderfully made. And that means we're a marvelous creation of God. You can't make this stuff up. I've watched Frankenstein or the, the monster or Frankenstein's monster. I know what he tried to do. We know it ain't going to work. Man can't make man. Not in the lab. You can't piece things together. You can't get body parts and try to make something. We were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Your body is such an incredibly, it's a precise machine. Believe it or not, we're a machine. And if it's working normally, I want you to hear what it can do. These are some nerdy facts I found this week. You can feel pressure that depresses your skin at only .0004 inches, almost like a fly landing on you. You can see over 300,000 different colors, and this is the one that really got me. You can taste a tiny spoonful of salt dissolved in 500 quarts of water. Your body is a physical miracle. You can't create this. You can't make this. Only God can make this. There was no mistake. It's just a miracle. It's a miracle that every, each and every one of us is here today. Now, do we have some flaws? Yeah. Do we have some health issues? Yeah. We do. That's going to come with it. It's going to come with it. As Georgia said a while ago, it's going to come with age. It, it, things, things come with age. Hey, I was born with the cataract. That had nothing to do with age. I had to have a cornea transplant when I was four. That had nothing to do with age. That's the way God made me. So no matter what you have going on in your life right now, you might think that it's hereditary or something like that. God made you that way. Just remember that. God made you, and he didn't make a mistake. You might have aches and pains, but there's no mistake. God made you the way that he made you. Your body is a physical miracle that can only be explained by the unlimited power of God. Secondly, when you pray, pray for the children to know that God cares for them. God cares. He created them, and he cares for them. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giving grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now listen. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Give it all to him. Give it all to him. Those kids that are struggling with the, the you, who oh gosh, the stories that we had to hear about kids being placed in home after home after home. I know Jerry had to deal with that stuff. It breaks your heart. Nobody wants me. Nobody cares for me. God cares for you. God cares for you. We, we got to remind the kids but I think sometimes we got to be reminded ourselves as adults. God does care for you. So this last part right here says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This means to do it quickly. As I say, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Do it. Cast your cares. Don't hang on to them. Get rid of them. Don't wait around. He's saying just throw your cares on the Lord. 
Place everything that you've got that has burdened you, that is weighing you down, everything that's hindering you from worshiping and from loving and from being sincere and from being kind and for having grace on others, everything that's burdened you down, he's saying cast it and cast it quick. Put it down at God's feet. Give it to the Lord and leave it there. Luke 19.35, I want you to listen. This is going, I'm, I'm going back and forth on a lot of things right here, but this is going back into Easter. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. Now, you might think, Lord Preacher, you're losing it. You went from casting cares to casting things on donkeys. Well, listen to this. Casting means getting rid of something. Casting means giving something away. And if you go back and you look at what I'm reading right here over in Luke, I'm going to say it again. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. This is Palm Sunday. All right, y'all remember the story? They come in, Jesus comes in, he's riding on his little donkey, and they take the palm leaves, and they lay them down, and what are they shout? So they're shouting, Hosanna, and praise the Lord, and everybody's happy-go-lucky. And the disciples, they took their, their, their garments off, and they put it on the donkey so that Jesus could ride comfortably. So he would be comfortable. They cast their garments on the donkey. This means, it's very simple right here. If you have a garment on and you're, you want an animal to carry it, you cast off that garment. That garment is on something else and it's carrying your load. Now, what you need to understand about the garment they're talking about, back then garments were pretty bulky, pretty heavy. And I can't imagine wearing what they wore back then. It's, it was thick, it was heavy, and it's probably hot, and Lord knows it was stinky. They didn't have but, you know, body wash and all that stuff back then. So if they wanted to lighten their load, they would cast that load upon something. Donkey, ox, whatever it was. They would cast it on top of it to carry that load. Now, you don't... Now that it's on that donkey, you don't care it anymore. It's on the animal, not on you. So the donkey works for you by lifting your load. And what I'm trying to get at with this one is God does the same thing. When you cast your burdens, when you cast that heavy load on God, he carries it for you. It's not your responsibility anymore. When you cast your garment on the donkey... It is not your responsibility anymore. That donkey's carrying your load. When you're burdened down with things of this world, if you would cast those burdens on the Lord, He is going to carry your load for you. But He also says, I'll just keep carrying it. You know, donkey, after a while, you're going to have to take that thing off of and put it back on because you might get cold. Or He's going to lay down, or like our horses did. When we had horses, they'd always put their, their saddle on and They'd go find a mud hole or something try to get down in it. He's coming back to help me. You, you want him back? I know, it's terrible. Listen to this. John Piper says this. One of the greatest things God, about the God of the Bible is that he commands us to let him work for us before commanding us to work for him. He's begging you, guys, let me take your load. Let me take your burdens. Let me take your struggles. He's telling us, let me have it. He's commanding us to let him have all the struggles that we have in this earth. Let me have them. 
He says here, he's, he's commanded us to let us have his, the burdens before commanding us to work for him. There is no way on God's green earth that if I am burdened down, if I have struggles in this life, if I've got bitterness and, and angst and I've got all this stuff in my life, there is no way that I can work for God. I, I, could, I can't do it. If I have burdens in my life that I have refused to give to God, there's no way that I can go do God's work. Until I let things go, I can't do the Father's work. There's no way that we can go about the Father's business if we ain't let the Father have our business. If we ain't let the Father have our burdens and our struggles, I can't work. And he doesn't expect us to. He's saying, give it up before I let you go. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm fifty five twenty two says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Isaiah 46, 4. I'm, I'm just giving you, I want to back up what I'm saying with Scripture. And even to your old age, I am he, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. How much more do we need to hear from the Word of God that He wants to help us? I should only have to say that one time, but the Scripture can, it is packed full of verses that say, God will help you. Cast your burdens. I'll carry your burdens. Whatever, however you want to phrase it. He's saying, just give it to me. He's begging you, just give it to me. Just let me have it so that I can send you out into the world to build up the kingdom, to be a witness, to pray, to be a disciple. When your world is crashing in on you, you may be tempted to think, well, Lord don't care. Them youngins that say, I'm going into my 16th or my 17th or my 20th home, the Lord just don't care. You're sitting at home and you're looking at your bills and you're thinking, Lord, just don't care. I can't pay these. He don't care. He's not helping me. You're sitting in the doctor's office and you've already got the bad news and you don't know what to do and you're thinking to myself, the Lord just don't care. The Bible tells you other words. The Bible tells you specifically that he cares for you and that he wants you to cast those burdens upon him. Give it to him. But I want you, one other thing to think about right here is look at the cross. If you would just look at that cross, and I put it purple today for a reason. I love purple. Purple means royalty. But if you just look at the cross of Jesus, that right there is proof that God cares. If God didn't care, there'd be no cross. If God didn't care, there'd be no Jesus. But God cares, and right there is proof. Third thing to add to your list to pray for Pray for the children to trust in that cross of Jesus. And you probably think, well, that's not what they need to be trusting in. Well, let me make that a little bit deeper. I'm pretty sure that thing's crooked. Is it crooked, Doris? I'm probably looking at it in my right eye, and that's my blind eye. God has a plan for your life. I don't care what anybody says for you. They might say you're hopeless, you're useless. There is nothing that you can do in this world. Go right back to the Bible, and he tells you differently. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has a plan. The word, I like word pictures. If you think about 
as a word picture, you look at the word thoughts. I think about weaving and weaving something together according to God's plan. Back years ago, my mom and my uncles and my grandma all worked down at Goodwin Weavers. I loved going down there. If y'all remember Goodwin Weavers, it used to be in Blowing Rock. I loved going down there and hanging out with them. I'd go back there with my grandma. She's in the weaving room, and I'd love to watch that thing go back and forth and then make these nice little Afghans or Africans, depends on where you're from. They make them Afghans, and I'd love to watch that. That's the way I think about the thoughts that God has for us. God's thoughts and his plans for us is just like weaving. He's putting it all together for us. He's weaving this thing together. He's weaving our lives together. He's weaving uh, everything that he has has planned for us. He is the master weaver, and he is putting it all together because he has plans. Now, I can't remember nothing about how the weaving process worked. But I knew there was a process because you had to get your colors together and you had to get your patterns together and you had to know is there going to be a picture on it? Is there going to be little freely things on the edges? He, there was a plan for that afghan. God, as the master weaver, has a plan for each one of us. And he is just, and it's very strategic and he is he's weaving it all together right now for us. Does it make sense? A lot of times, no. If you've ever looked at an afghan as it's been being weaved, woven, it doesn't look like it could be much. There's strings all over the place. Nothing matches up. That's kind of like us. Sometimes things don't match up with us yet, but he's not done weaving. He's not done with this pattern yet. God has a great plan for your life, and the greatest part of God's plan is the cross of Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom he hath in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. God's plan for all believers is to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's God's plan for us. Once we're saved, we know that's the plan. That will be the final destination. That's the last page in the book. We're saved. We're going to live life out here on earth for a while. We're going to try to make disciples. We're going to try to to do the works of God the best that we can. That's the plan but then the ultimate goal, once we're done here, is as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity with him in heaven. That is his plan for us. That's what Jesus offers us, to every one of us, when we put our faith and trust in him. When we remember the cross, if it wasn't for his death, burial, and resurrection, we can't just say the cross, it goes past the cross, it goes into the burial and the resurrection. When we... Pray for these children that they will remember the cross, remember the death on the cross for each one of us, for each one of them. We've got to remember that cross, but we've got to remember that burial, and we've got to pray that they remember that resurrection because at that resurrection, he defeated death, hell, and the grave for each one of us so that we would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven when we're done here. Fourth thing, pray for the children to follow Jesus. That 
is a prayer for, I know every single parent, grandparent, every human being that knows of a kid, that should be our prayer. We pray that these children would come to know and accept Jesus. And we just thought we was done with Paisley. We, we've got a while to go, but you know we're going to be praying for Clayton. We've got some over here. We've got four over here. We've got to be praying that at some point, some day, that they will come to know and accept Jesus, to follow Jesus. That's the prayer that we need to be praying for these children in the children's home. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus was here for, to seek and to save that which is lost. Have that kind of mindset. As a believer, as a Christian, as a parent, as a human being, you need to have that kind of mindset to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, can we save them? Absolutely not. We can't do that. But we can seek them out through the Holy Spirit, and we can guide them and pray for them, and they can make that decision on their own. But our prayer has got to be that these children follow Jesus. If they want to succeed, they want to make it in this life, they're going to have to have him. Now, Paul's talking about us following Jesus in, in a humble, sacrificial, and an unselfish service. That's what he's trying to tell us here. And I want you to think about, think about Jesus for a second. I, I read a story about a, a preacher dad, and he had two youngins, two, two little boys. And when I read this, I thought of Ethan up one side and down the other when I read this, and you'll hear why. Two little boys. The oldest one was five years old, and these little boys was fighting over a train. They was playing with this train, and one young'un took it away from the other one, and the dad thought, you know what, this my five-year-old, uh, he just, he's, he's capable of showing Christ-like character. And so he, he pulled the five-year-old aside, and he said, son, what would Jesus do in a situation like this? And that little feller looked up at his dad, and he said, Jesus would make another train. Think about that mindset. I could just hear Ethan saying something like that. Not yet, but you will. I promise. What would Jesus do? We see the bracelets. We say that, you know, that's probably a fad that's gone right now. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Here on earth, what would Jesus do? We know what Jesus did. Nothing's really changed since Jesus ascended back to heaven. There's still lost people dying and going to hell. There's still Christians walking around on this earth. What would Jesus do? Seek and save that which is lost. He would say, reach out to those children and make sure that they know who I am. Make sure that they understand what I have done for them. And make sure that they know where they could spend eternity. What would Jesus do? Jesus would seek and save those that are lost. And that's exactly what he did and that's what he'd expect from us. We have to learn how to follow the Lord. And we have to pray that these children would learn how to follow the Lord. I can't think of a better place for these children that are going into foster care and, and going into adoption. I can't think of a better place to be going through than the children's home. Because DSS, I'm not going there, but I'm just going to say it's good to have a good godly foundation for these children to be going through. Fifth thing, last thing that I want you to remember. Pray for the children to find the right way to live. They don't know how to live. They've never been in a good, godly home. They don't have their parents 
or whatever. They don't have anybody to look up to. They've been kicked around in foster care. They've been all over the world or all over the country. They can't settle down. And he's telling us we've got to show them the right way, right way to live. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I read this about a preacher, and this is something that I believe we should all take to heart. If you take notes, I'd write this down. This preacher was talking about vacation Bible school and how the children would end each and every night after Bible school. They would always end in their prayer, and they would say, they would say their prayers, but then they would end their prayer a certain way. And this is what they would pray. I will do the best I can with what I have where I am for Jesus. I, I love that. I'm thinking that just sounds like something that, that's just to hear young and say something like that, it just bring you a peace. I will do the best that I can with what I have where I am for Jesus' sake. Man, that hit me. That's the right way to live. Do the best that you can with what you have for Jesus' sake. Everybody in here is a little bit different. Do the best that you can with what you have and where you are for Jesus' sake. He's given us, he's given us all spiritual gifts. He's given us all a, a family. He's given us all this church. He's given us all his grace and his love and his mercy. He's given it all to us. So we've got some of the best of the best. We've got a lot that we can offer back to this community and to these children. I will do the best I can with what I have, where I am, for Jesus' sake. This week we're going we're gonna to take part in a week of, of prayer for the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home. And again, there's seven things, and I'll just give you five more. I probably should have come up with two more, so you just do two a day, but I didn't. So we're going to pray this evening as we close out. I want you to remember to lift them up this week. Be specific in your prayers. And something that's not in there is pray for those that are in this county. Avery County has a need. Avery's got a, a need for these kids that need a home. I was talking to Preacher Bob Garbett again yesterday. He needs a job. Can you not? He needs something else to do. He ain't staying busy enough at the Sheriff's Department. Talk to him every other day, which is fine. I, I'm tickled to death. You know, he's going through that, that foster care and the adoption thing. He's, they've already adopted. And, you know, they're still bringing in some children in, into their home, and I think that's a great thing. It's an awesome thing, especially at his age. I keep throwing that out there, too. It's an awesome thing. Pray for this county and pray for this state that God would open up doors for families that have that need and have that heart for those kids that are, are struggling. Five things, to know that they are God's creation, to know that God cares for them, to trust God's plan of salvation through the cross for them, to follow Jesus, and to find the right way to live. That's five more things to pray about. Stand with me, and we're going to close out in prayer. We're going to pray for them youngins. Let's pray. God, I just want to come back to you.
Oh, Lord God, I pray today as we depart this place and we go back to our homes, and Lord, as we join with our families or whatever we have planned for this evening, God, I pray that it burdens our hearts that there is such a great need here in Avery and right here in North Carolina for the children. Lord, they're lost. They have no home. They have no family. And Lord, unfortunately, some of them do not know you yet. But God, as a church, as we unite today in prayer, Lord, I lift up these children to you. I lift up the families that are, are certified to take those kids on. I lift up the Baptist children's home as they, as they do the paperwork and the, all the, the legal aspects that go through the process. I pray, God, that you would bless them greatly. And Lord, for these children that need a home, Lord, I pray that you'd place them in a godly home that have a godly role model that have godly parents and godly uh, siblings and lord i pray that these children would come to know and accept you and lord i pray that you would use this church in a way uh, god that would shed some light in a dark world in a dark county in a dark community lord where the gospel is being pushed out and worldly things are being pushed in and i pray god that we would be a, a lighthouse on the hill and lord those children that are lost and hurting would find peace and comfort through the words that, that will be spoken to them and for the love that will be shown to them through their homes, the homes that they're going into. And Lord, today as, as we leave this place, keep us safe in all that we do. Keep us safe in our travels. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless us this week as we continue to lift up these children, lift up all these specific prayer requests to you. And Lord, we know they will not fall on deaf ears. It will not go unheard. And God, I pray that Great things would take place this week and this month with the children's home and with those that are able to, to lift them up in prayer. Lord, we're just asking for great blessings upon them all. Lord, we love you today. We praise you today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. <laughs>